I'm Andrew Faust here with Permaculture Perspectives and today you're going to hear Adriana and I. Adriana's questions are a little bit on a delay so bear with us on the technical difficulties but you'll hear some great questions in conversation with Larry Santoyo, a dear friend and colleague and close partner who worked with Scott Pittman. Listen and enjoy. you also hear Larry talk with us about his extensive history and friendship slash animosity with Bill Mullison, founder of Permaculture. Some excellent foundational stories here that you'll get a sneak peek into the early years of permaculture. Bill Mullison and Larry Santoyo. This is Andrew Faust with Permaculture Perspectives and really such a pleasure today to have Larry Santoyo here with us for a conversation and Adriana Magania and we're going to be talking about Larry's long and rich experience in the field of permaculture. You know, Larry is uh, the founder of Permaculture Academy, lecturer at the College of Environmental Design and Polytech University. And just in an interview earlier this week with Lisa Fernandez, I learned that you were also her sort of first initiation into permaculture. She took a, a class with you up in Oregon, she mentioned. Um, so, so many people have studied with you and such a rich background in the field. It's a, it's an honor to have you here to, oh, thanks. to share, share your insights, perspectives with our permaculture listeners. Yeah, the honor is mine. I, I love you guys. You guys are my favorite, so... I do say that to everybody, but to, I'm not lying. This time. <laughs> I think that's a good protocol. <laughs> the bad boy of permaculture. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of old. That's right. Yeah. The most refreshing, fresh voice in permaculture, in my experience. So, yeah, well, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No pressure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so where is it that you're? You were you were starting to tell me, and I said, "Well, hold on, let's." let's oh yeah, yeah. Paper. No, I was where just saying that I'm still at the um, at the tenth uh, annual. Uh, I don't know if it's actually annual. I think they skipped a year, but um, the Heirloom Seed Expo, which mm -hmm. is uh, you know, it's just such a, a breath of fresh air to see how many people are involved and you know you, you go to the rare fruit growers uh stuff and you know like i'm the youngest person there when i go to those meetings mm -hmm. so but the <laughs> you know it's like people aren't yeah. there's not a, a, a lot of new people but seeing how many young people there were that are totally into it uh it was refreshing and how smart everybody is that was, it was a little bit intimidating um there's a, so much information and good stuff that's happening all over it and i was it was it was really refreshing i kind of came kicking and screaming because you know i was social distancing before it was cool so i've been kind of trying to lay low in the last few years but now i'm trying to get back out there and i, I was a breath of fresh air really yeah so a lot of the attendees or growers in that area like uh, all over apparently you, you know uh uh baker creek seeds i think is the is the you know the main sponsor and there's 
you know, dozens and dozens of people that contributed. So people came from all over. Actually, I think I heard like 17 or 18 different countries and, you know, like 33 states, that kind of stuff. So, but it's, it's quite a buzz. I was surprised it took, you know, 20 minutes to get into the fairgrounds, um, you know, with all the cars going to the, to the festival. So I I was, um, I was pleasantly surprised a little bit late for my talks, but, you know, uh, it was, it was pretty, it was refreshing to see. And, you know, saw some old friends and met a lot of new people. So it was fun. It's still, it's still kind of breaking down right now. People came from all over, so they got to be out of there. That sounds so cool. Yeah, it was cool. It's like this super freak fest too, you know, uh-huh. I just talked to uh, Dennis Charmad, who's a old friend of mine. I haven't seen him in a while. He's not too far away. He's down almost down to San Diego, but he's got a rare f- fruit collection that just, you know, runs the gamut, you know, every kind of uh, dry Mediterranean thing you can think of is uh, amazing. Just the collection that he's, that he's gathered since I've, since I've talked to him. Um, he's got all kinds of beautiful fruit and cacti and different, you know, guavas and, you know, it's just crazy. And then I heard about um, this, uh, another place out in the, in drylands out in Bakersfield, you know, um and uh sounds amazing the guy's trying all kinds of stuff and you know it's just it's fascinating you know it's fascinating but you have to be kind of a you know you can geek out but then there's like super freaks that are just like totally into it and i just love i love the obsessiveness of anything you know i love you know how foodies are obsessed about you know like their sourdough or whatever you know it's like when this is gone it's gone and i'm not going to make any more and you know like i just love that kind of that kind of intensity or that kind of dedication to their craft so i i, I think it's cool in san diego where i'm from my first introduction to well before i heard the word permaculture there's a, there's a group out there called the rare fruit and nut growers association and they uh one of my boyfriend's moms i lived with them for a while and she was this german woman who came here and 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 was hanging out with this guy who had passed on and left her the whole place but it was like the most densely planted maybe an acre wow um piece of land that i've ever actually seen two different kinds of figs two different kinds of guavas oh um, yeah yeah multigraph citrus jujubes you had the um hachia persimmon and the fuyu persimmon so the asian persimmons um tons of herbs uh cherimoya two kinds of sapotes man Um, it was uh it was really and then of course you know annual gardens and things like that for vegetables yeah right right of course mangoes papayas the beautiful thing about you know like the the mediterranean climate which we are one of you know five here in coastal california is you add water and you've got the subtropics you know if and then if you control it so you know you don't have all of the diseases just when when you, as a side note, when you were talking about the citrus, you know, um, the uh, citrus psyllid uh, vector, you know, has has made it to California. So 
we're going to be losing a lot of citrus, just like Florida did uh, pretty soon. I mean, it's been here probably, you know, less than a decade, but it's it's definitely accelerating around. So um, that's something to take seriously. You know, people uh, see that or hear about it, but they don't really understand that it is pretty devastating. Some of the, the spread of that, you know, like a yeah. virus. What is it a virus what or is it, is it a fungus? It's a, it's like a little psyllid, you know, like this little hopping bug that carries us, uh, you know, and, and I, 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 I did a little bit of research, not a huge deep dive. And apparently there's a lot of, it's a, it, you know, it's like, I think it, it's originated in the tropics in Asia um, or Southeast Asia. And, um, but there are citrus groves that are surviving and they are planted with 50% um, red guavas. And somehow the guavas keeping it away. So it's, you know, something that I'm trying to talk about and see if anybody's trying that again out here. So, Diversity. you know, you again, just finding the, you know, the, the proper, you know, placement of things, the relative location of, of how you're growing it and how many you're growing, you know, it sort of speaks yeah. to the whole massive, you know, monocultural kind of aspect of things. It's hard to spread something if it's a polyculture, you know, yeah. just the host isn't there. When you got thousands of trees in every direction of the same host, then of course it's going to spread and, and, you know, become its own entity, you know force of nature literally that's right yeah and yeah. increase in magnitude yeah right right but you were talking yeah. about you were talking about um you know san diego area and on the way down there you know there's the um well of course there's the citrus uh uh thing out in in uh, riverside and on the way down in irvine to, uh, on the way down to san diego from here uh, i'm in la um you know the uh the Irvine uh, Ranch, part of it now has, you know, like the biggest uh, uh, food forest kind of, ex, you know, experimental station, you know, a government run thing. So, you know, they just, I think the last time I saw Dennis, who I was talking about a second ago, was at the Cherimoya Expo there. And there was like, you know, 80 kinds of Cherimoyas and it was a tasting too. So it was, it was amazing. So we collected actually a bunch of seeds and, and started a bunch of seedlings. But they also have, you know, like uh, another uh, station, part of the station there is persimmons. And they have like 88 different persimmons. And uh, it's it's truly amazing. Like I said, it's, you know, you can go down the rabbit hole of all this stuff and just, you know, it's the super freaks that you meet along the way. It's just fascinating to me. Anyway. Yeah, well, we're on it before I forget, I it it makes me uh, inclined to ask you about, you know, because part of the work we're doing with the Permaculture Living Lands Trust is identifying properties that have older perennial tree crops wow. and, don't, and don't have any sort of um, mm -hmm. protection of them. Oh, and yeah. I've yeah. already started thinking about a sizable USDA grant to apply for where we would be stating that part of what we're working with is a rare fruit growers association in Florida. Okay. To start something for them. We're working with a client in um, North Carolina, people up in Vermont. So it's starting to, you know, the whole intention was to go national and international with it. Right, that's, right. That's and today's technology, I mean, that, that yep. stuff might, may be available without, you know, knowing it.
Yeah. You know, there, there's, uh, you know, all the LIDAR stuff. There's all kinds of mapping that's been done. Oh, yeah. You know, yep. you could dial it into, you could probably dial it in to pick out, you know, persimmons or, you know, yeah. I've seen that they, they dialed it in to pick out chestnuts and things like that. So, I mean, there's well, a yeah, lot of technology that could be utilized. And then you could turn absolutely. it into an app and it could be like a map of, you know, different food forests mm -hmm. and different, you that's know. That's right like that yeah and that's one of the things we'd like to do would be to sort of certify sites as oh yeah yeah oh yeah definitely right. definitely and Even then they've got uh spot. what's big in the east there is the you know the heritage tree thing you know mm -hmm. mapping out all the big trees and you know i think that, trees, you know i think that's trees. one of the things that i follow on instagram is you know the big tree whatever you know and it's just it's fascinating that kind of stuff and Again, with permaculture design, it's a matter of looking at what there is and then putting it together differently, you yeah. know, and like we've been saying all these years, it's not like we need to invent anything. You know, ironically, everything we need to create our regenerative future, we already have and we've had it for a very long time. Just a matter of re, you know, it's, it, you know, like shuffling the chairs, you know, it's like we just need to make different connections with it and, and uh, see where we can go from there. Not as a destination, but as a process that it will forever improve, you know, we'll get better and better at it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky in this day and age, I would say, because more and more people well, I don't know. I wouldn't, I would just say that there, there's a tendency definitely for more and more people to be further separated from nature, right? As we put more man-made artifice in front of us, we put more screens in front of us. At the same time, right. I think there are a lot of people and we don't need everybody. We just yeah. need more people. Yeah, we just, and, yeah, right, right. And, and there are more people that are realizing that that's not healthy. They don't feel good when they take breaks from sure. um, They are finally it's kind of hitting home it's hard for it not to hit home to most people that we know you yeah, know the, are the affected by toxicity are, and yeah you know, there are limits just, to growth yeah right um, right and these are just baked in into nature and we don't yeah. have um you know infinite rocket ships to go mine um and you know asteroids yet <laughs> yeah right right they right. made a movie about it though and there's reasons why we shouldn't do that um aliens that movie but um you know i think it's i think it's i think it's really important that we that we that we remember that this is honestly you know people where the problem happens is when people are separated from nature and not just nature in this rousseauian let's look at rainbows and touch trees but yeah. like actually our livelihood, our connection. This is where apples yeah. come from. This is where we get our water. This is what cleans our soil. This is what gives us coolness. This is what, you know, all of these yeah, things. Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, cool. it's science too. I mean, it's not just, we're not just talking out of our butts anymore. It's like all of that's been proven and there's a, a tremendous amount of studies that, that, you know, it's biologically better for us to be exposed directly to the environment, you know, and the younger, the better, just like as if we were growing something yeah. to build in resilience, you know? The but more you expose it, yeah. you know, that's why mushrooms have been, you know, so smart and evolved. 
they come in contact with every kind of thing trying to kill it for you know millions of years so you know they, they've learned to adapt and overcome it and our bodies are you know we're made up of the same stardust so our bodies will learn to do that too and we just need to be smarter about you know i think that historically humans and we may have even talked about this before you know that we're really good at stuff but but we're especially good at trading one problem for another problem you know it's like we you know it's like we we take the shortcuts you know more and more as the generations go by and as the eons go by you know instead of thinking of the long term and thinking of systems yeah, which is a beautiful it. thing exactly. to be you know involved in permaculture design because you know you don't have to go too far before you can think of you know like oh if, if we think of it as a system you know a dynamic equation instead of a linear equation then it's e much easier to solve and to pick out you know the answer and then it's just like you know the bill mollison quote where you know it, the solutions remain embarrassingly simple you know yeah yeah you nailed it with systems systems thinking and that um that uh I think human's biggest weakness is really being largely unable to do that. Um, yeah, I, I, and I agree. Very yeah, focused, I agree. And I think that that is, you know, we have the technology, we have the motivation, we have the, you know, the skill sets, and we should t start training people, you know, our, our kids, well, now our grandkids, you know, to think in systems. That's and right. you know as generations go by it happens quickly especially when you're talking about systems thinking you know and, and you know just like you know our kids don't litter because of the campaigns you know and it, you know it, it it works when you know people are young some of us still litter you know but our kids don't well larry i'd love to hear some if you could share with our our listeners and go a little into the history for me of your experience. You're coming into the circle of permaculture and oh, shit. Um, yeah. starting to use the term in the early Yeah, it, it's funny that you say it that way because, sure. you know, uh, I, I was, I was, um, let's see. Uh, well, basically there was, I remember that there wasn't, terms for what we talk about now and even in the fat last couple of decades you know it's got like everybody's trying to one-up each other in in the movement you know like oh it's not sustainable that's not that's not you know it's not sustainable it's you know what is it uh, it's a uh, regenerative now regenerative. you know and it, it's like but those kind of terms never it didn't really exist there was organic farming and there was solar energy and there was all these yeah. things you know and and people that were doing the deep dives in the 60s and 70s into those techniques and technologies of course were the outcasts and the the weirdos and the fringe and the people that we love you know but but th there wasn't anything to put it in right and when I when I heard Bill Mollison, like I I think I met Bill Mollison in '85 or '86, right? Mm -hmm. And it was finally like, oh, well, all these things that we we're talking about, like all this meat of of things, like okay, now with permaculture design, we now have the skeleton to hang this on, and we can see everything how it fits together. Yeah. 
you know, and it was just like, okay, this is brilliant. Although I, I honestly, I didn't really, I thought Bill Mollison was arrogant, kind of, you know, misogynistic and a, kind of an asshole and, you know, and all that was, that was my job. So it was like, he was really, tra- you know, like really, you know, of course, I, 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 I didn't like it because I recognized it in me, you know, but still I was, I, I think it wasn't until he bummed a cigarette from me uh, back in those days uh, mm-hmm. when people smoked uh because you know before it was cool uh you know i i think it was that then when i realized that yeah this guy is actually kind of cool and he's pretty funny and you know so we became friends and i started working for him i think in 89. um so this is not long after the designer's manual right doesn't the manual come out like 83 or something yeah yeah it was a it was a big thing and i remember being in bill's uh at bill's place uh in new south wales and seeing these boxes okay dig this he had boxes of handwritten notes and the guy would read like sitting in his bed he'd read and he would be just writing and making notes and he'd go through books like you know a a 500 page you know book in a couple of nights and he would make all these notes he had stacks like floor to ceiling fill up a room of handwritten notes i think one of his exes got got really pissed off and like mulched the garden with them and did all you know like yeah it was pretty it was pretty ironic but there was stacks left even after that episode that what i saw was just amazing amount of information that didn't get into the book right Mm -hmm. and um it was funny because at the time we were you know we were just talking about like how there really wasn't a space or a place or name or you know at the time I remember that Stuart Brand, who was very popular at, at the time, you know, he came out with the whole Earth series catalog, and he had the whole yeah. Earth catalog. And so finally, finally, I think it was because Bill was such an asshole to people. Um, and I mean, I, and I say that with the most tender respect, um, but I think that, you know, he wasn't embraced because of that. And then when he finally was Stuart Brand, just like a light went off, a, a light bulb went off in him, I think. And, and he reviewed the book personally and said that, you know, if information had density, this book would be a black hole, you know, and it's just like, man, that is the coolest thing ever. I hope somebody <laughs> says that about my book. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, but the, the whole idea was, that you know Stuart Brand started doing that only connect that was that was a thing that he said that was that was just brilliant to me you know like there's all these things that are out there you know like oh solar energy you kind of go down that rabbit hole it's, oh the world is saved oh uh, organic farming oh the world is saved and then it's like how come the world isn't saved you know but when Bill started t- talking putting things together and how they connected then it started to make a little more sense so um, to back up just a little bit, if if you're at all interested, Absolutely. I I was um, I think in the '70s I was in uh, like a soils uh, I was in a soils class at, at you know junior college, and a buddy of mine had just got back from New Zealand where he heard this guy on the radio, 
okay? And he's telling me about, you know, which later I realized it was Bill Mollison, about this academic who says that he could design better than nature, right? Uh -huh. So I just kind of had that in the back of my head, like, oh, yeah, leave it to academics to say they could be better than nature, you know. But I, right. I, but somehow I, I remembered that. And then um, years later, okay, I'm working uh, for the people of the state of California. Uh, I get injured on duty, right? And so part of the deal is that I can't return to work, right? And so part of the deal is to get vocational rehab right the training and something else so um i could go to you know back to fire academy uh i had already gone to fire academy and police academy and emergency medical training and all this other stuff but what i really wanted to, to do was resource management right uh, natural resource management um so um they sent me to you know planning you know land land use planning so i got trained in land use planning and then you had to specialize in something okay so I put in a training request for this conference up in Olympia, and uh, uh, this, the, the, the courses that came after that, right? Permaculture design courses taught by Bill Mollison. So I put in a training request thinking that maybe they'll approve one of them or something. And they approved, like a, a, I think, all of them, all of them that I had put in. So that was it. You know, I got... I went and met Bill Mollison. I took a couple of design courses from him. I mean, I took probably five design courses before I even started designing or thinking about designing. Originally, the course was, uh, uh, I don't know how many people realize it, but the course is designed that people would take it over again, okay? Mm -hmm. So that, because there's just too much information. Right. There's yeah. just too much stuff to absorb. I mean, we break every, you know, like kind of learning uh, rule that there is, you know, introduce one concept every hour. We, you know, like <laughs> what, like 101, maybe. You know? So, uh, you know, and Bill was really pretty adamant about it. And we 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 still, you know, the Permaculture Institute and the Permaculture Academy, you know, we did it for a long time that if people wanted to take the course again, then, you know, they already paid their tuition. So then we would just, you know, charge a, a cost for them to, to retake the courses. And I do that still, right? If yeah, people want to take yeah, the course yeah. again, that, you know, which is, about, you know, it's like 50% of the cost that people pay is just sort of the overhead. And it's not that cheap to put on a course, even if you're doing it on Zoom, by the way. You know, it's almost just as expensive. It's a lot of time. But, you know, so... So anyway, I started working for Bill. Uh, we hit it off. I, I was I was lucky enough. <coughs> excuse me. I was lucky enough to, you know, travel with them, and I got to see him work. You know, go with them and tag along on different projects that he was doing and consultations. And it was just amazing to just see him pause and then come up with something that. I had never really even imagined or, you know, just the, the pattern literacy of this individual and the way that he would go around, you know, the issue. And then all suddenly you're like embracing the solution before we've even talked about it. It was, it was certainly amazing. And, and certainly my attraction and kind of my apprenticeship with Bill was, you know, trying to learn that kind of technique you know, that you arrive at solutions. And he was a master of that. 
you know, and I just, I just loved it. And I, you know, I had to carry his fucking bags and, you know, get him water and do, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I was, I, I just loved it, you know, but I sacrificed a lot, you know, it was like, I, I, I mean, I say that, but it's truly, you know, my family sacrificed a lot and consequently, you know, my domestic situation sacrificed a lot, you know, but it was, it, there was no turning back. I mean, it was like, I was, you know, and Bill encouraged me to teach and, you know, invited me to teach invisible structures and, you know, applying permaculture design to community development. And, you know, so I would teach those sections of the courses when, when he was around, or I went to Australia with them and, you know, flew around with them. I, I worked on the, um, you know, one of the, 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 one of the, not the, not the grave danger of falling food film, but the, the series global that, Gardner. that they did after that. Yeah. Um, global, global, Gardner. global Gardener. Right. Yeah, right. Those are great. We, yeah. We I mean, even still they're great. They're, you know, 25 absolutely. years old or something, but yeah, oh, I was, I was an assistant on, on that. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, we set up the permaculture Institute, uh, was set up uh actually it was set up in winters california right out by davis up in you know kind of like inland from the bay area uh and then it quickly moved up to seattle right and then um scott and bill wanted a dry land institute so they uh built uh bill and scott Pittman, uh who was also a friend of mine uh back in the day in the 80s um they set up the Drylands Institute, and then I set up the Great Northwest Permaculture Institute, which was the third uh, permaculture nonprofit uh, it set up in in you know America in North America anyway. Um, anyway, so that's kind of how I got into it, you know, just like with uh, you know, it's like really. Uh, I don't know how to do anything else. You know, it's like, I've designed a lot of things. It's been more than 30 years and I've made a lot of mistakes and I've, you know, I've tried to talk about it. I've tried to be, you know, emotionally mature enough to admit it and really kind of try to learn from it and, you know, not necessarily warn others, but at least share some of those experiences. But I've had a lot of really, you know, I, I, I cannot, I will never take it for granted how, you know, kind of blessed that I have been to, because the c clients that I've had, you know, I consider them patrons of my art, you know, that without the client, without the patron, you know, you could build it out of mud or you could, you know, carve it out of stone. You could, you know, and, you know, people that are willing to, to put their faith and their, uh, you know, their capital into their own sort of natural systems, I, I think is, is beautiful. And especially for me, you know, and of course I've had, you know, that kind of blowback too, that, you know, I work, you know, for the ultra wealthy and, you know, I, I do, but I think that more it's allowed me to work, you know, in, on projects in Haiti and Panama and Belize and Mexico mm -hmm. and Detroit and, you know, uh, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to do that, you know, and that's really the bulk of my career is doing those kinds of things. And, you know, sure. I've, I've done a lot of things for, you know, large people and um, famous people, I suppose, 
but more people emulate that than you know than you know poor people i guess you know but it's 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 fun hanging out and i've kind of learned to to be a little bit more comfortable in all of those sectors you know scary right now in haiti i mean it's just like people don't really know that how what's happening there now and they're asking for military intervention you know it's like people that are worried about you know the the armageddon of the future is like you know haiti it's all gang controlled now you know it's like 100 percent gang controlled and it's really it's not that good so you know i'll you know I don't know if I'll go back there, maybe, but I, w- I would love to see some of these projects, you know, flourish. And I, and I understand that some of the places that, I've, that I have worked on and worked with, um, that they're doing okay because of the way we designed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm rambling. Well, uh, so you no, guys tell me you. any How direction about, uh, to go. So Yeah, would you share a little about that? Uh, Scott Pittman and your work with him. Did you guys teach courses together? Tell us something. Yeah, Scott was uh, was a fascinating character to me because he was like a like a good old boy. He's like a long haired redneck, which was kind of fascinating to me. And um, last year or the year before? Say that again. He's recently passed. Yeah, he passed away um, a year ago, a little over a year ago. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Toby Hemingway, who's also passed, uh, and Bill and Scott really, you know, were the closest things that I ever had to best friends. You know, although in the later years, Bill and I had our, you know, issues, uh, but I still had a great deal of respect for him, you know, and, um, you know, before that, you know, Simon Henderson up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, who used to work with uh, Michael Polarski, who's still around and kicking. Yeah. Um, I, I was up in their neck of the woods for a, a while. Um, anyway, I, I worked with with Simon. We did a, many, many design courses together in the early years, in the early in the late '80s and early '90s, and then um, I started working with Scott Pittman in probably in '89. Right. And uh, we did we did a couple of projects together. He was a builder, you know, pretty e- e- extraordinary builder. Uh, him and his brother did a lot of uh, underground houses and, you know, big timber stuff and adobe things. And I mean, I was fascinated and learned a lot from him. And he was also Scott was also a skilled uh, cabinetry, uh, uh, you know, kind of builder, that kind of craftsman. I mean, he had a missing digit, which I always thought was kind of cool uh, from some, you know, tragic bandsaw accident, probably. I actually never asked him about it, but I, I just assumed it was his commitment to cabinetry. It was in the way and he sacrificed it anyway. But um, yeah, we worked together for a long time. He was also, you know, another one of those kind of curmudgeon dudes, but he was, he was uh, uh you know, brilliant in his own right, you know, like he's a Texas boy uh, and, you know, got the shit beat out of him by police for, you know, uh, during the civil rights movement. And he was, you know, like one of those radical student, you know, kids and, um, 
and then you know he met Bill Mollison and I think in uh Nepal or something right and uh he, he had already been working with with Bill Mollison when I met Bill so um I was introduced to Scott and then uh, again we became friends and uh I just talked to his his um his wife uh yesterday um but and they both ran the permaculture institute for a number of years the the drylands institute um and that was what scott scott was kind of a curmudgeon because he was very protective of what bill had set up even though bill and him also kind of you know had had a rough patch there towards the end uh before bill died um but uh, he was like uber protective, like a mother, you know, like a mother hen, like a mother bear, really, about about permaculture, you know, uh, and would always get on people if he felt like they weren't doing the job. So okay. I think that that's where he kind of um, stepped on people's toes. But I thought it was hilarious. I I really did. Of course, he didn't pick on me. He knew better, but. You know, I do know a lot of people, a lot of friends of mine that I do respect that he, you know, kind of uh, almost like attacked because of the way that they were teaching or they were leaving stuff out of permaculture or they're trying to do it in, you know, you know, a patch or something, you know, like, you know, like, oh, no, you have to do 14 days. You got to do 72 hours. You got to do, you know, you have to follow the curriculum, which is I, 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 I think that, too. I mean, I think that, you know. I was one of the first people to, uh, you know, break up the design course. Uh, I, we were the first ones to do the weekend format, right? Mm -hmm. Which we, we called the neighborhood format, yeah. right? Instead of people traveling and staying for two weeks, which, you know, yeah. as the decades went by, got harder for people. It wasn't the audience that we had anymore, right? right? So no, people couldn't that, stay. That. And it used to be three weeks. We cut it down to two weeks even, Yeah. right? Yeah. And, and uh, so we took the same curriculum and the same daily routine and we split it up. You know, we would try to get two days off in there, right, in the 14 days. They're really fake days off. You, we gave people stuff to do and field trips or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so we took that 14-day course and we did it over, you know, one weekend a month for six months, right? So you got the 12 days of actual, you know, uh, classroom stuff, which the design course is, right? It's, right. you know, you go to, out to the field after that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I always tell so people were up in arms when I did that, you know, when I, when I broke it up and made it, you know, like, yeah. oh, no, you can't give out certificates, you can't do this, you can't do that. It's like, fuck you. I could actually do what I want. And, you know, but I am doing, a, a, you know, I, I think it's just, it's filling a different niche. You know, yeah. I'm not oh, against doing I, the two week thing. As a matter of fact, I still I, do I, the two week thing. It, it, you know, educate but people. It, this is a different or... thing, and and yeah. certainly in the two week course, I mean, the the designs at the end are horrible. Come on, you know, they're just horrible. You know, I'm sorry, uh, students, not yours specifically, but you know, in general, they're just horrible. <laughs> it, 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 but yeah. you give people six months and a team then they really have to do the team dynamic thing. And that's a whole conversation that you can, you know, wrap back into permaculture design, you know, the social aspect of it, you know, but the, the designs are just brilliant. You know, we come up with, you know, incredible stuff that we're pitching to the city council now. You know?
Yeah. So awesome. yeah. So yeah, it's been, been it's been kind of a long a long road, and I think there's a lot of things that that need to be tweaked in the design course itself. But I think that it, that's part of permaculture design is pattern yeah. application and pattern understanding. You know, there's nothing in the designer's manual about you know building with straw bales, but there's everything about arriving at solutions. You know, super insulation from a agricultural yeah. you know waste product. Of course, right. that's permaculture design. You right. Know? So, yeah, there's regionally you know, specific adaptations. Right yeah, of course. And the beauty of, of the design process is that, the you know, the protocols are you, know, you can use anywhere. You know, you could go to the, the you know, the uh, American Southwest. You could go to India. You could go to the tropics. You could go anywhere and and start applying the principles and you could you know design your way out of whatever issue there is or perceived problem that you have um, yeah that can confuse people sometimes because they see it as uh for those who don't know and have just heard of it they see it as like this kind of assemblage of fancy gardening techniques and not like an actual paradigm shift of systems thinking and yeah to kind of absolutely and i think that that's due to you know largely uh, because of people like us you know we yeah. we just didn't tell it right very you know we didn't do it very well at the beginning you know we too were excited and and uh you know enchanted by how fabulous the gardening was and a lot of us you know a, a lot of us still to you know and it kind of pisses me off uh, you know, talk about gardening a little bit too much. Permaculture is not about gardening. You know, it's yeah. protocols of design that you can apply to gardening, but you can apply it to anything that yeah. can be designed. That's the whole point, you That's know. Right. Yeah, but for too long, we we taught it as a gardening system. And certainly yeah. the sexy part of it. And, you know, it, it's, it's a good system, right? But it, it doesn't end there. And if you're going to, you know, now I sound like Scott Pittman, you know, if you're going to call it permaculture design, it's got to include everything. It's got to include economics, it's got to include, yeah. you know, social entities. It's got to, you know, it's got to do everything because it's holistic thinking. You know, yeah. I, I've had people talk about like, oh, all they care about is the bottom line. It's like, if you know that's their pattern, then why the fuck are you talking about saving the little bunnies? You know, it's like you're the one that's pattern illiterate. You know, if you're a, truly a holistic designer, then no matter how you slice it, you can deliver it. Right. If yeah. the person is, you know, speaks English, give it to them in English. If they, you know, if right. they only hear the bottom line, then give it to them that way. If you're a holistic, holistic designer, you know, you know how to do that. Right. That's the whole yeah. idea. And, you know, if it by the way, if it doesn't pencil out, it's not permaculture. You know, it doesn't fit a pattern that works. So it couldn't yeah. be permaculture. Right. So I think that whole um, sexiness of gardening actually goes. It's a double edged sword. And I think people don't take permaculture seriously because, oh, of course, of course, same at the dippy focus on that and not how it is a way a pattern language of of right. designing yeah oh yeah yeah it's not understood that it's a design process and that i mean 
Yeah. And I just, for some reason, I just had this like thought and I wanted to ask you about it at the risk of just changing, kind of changing the subject, but still, That's all right. yeah, but, but still being on the pattern literacy, pattern understanding. Sure. So one of the frustrations that I have with the climate change movement and a lot of the different kinds of policies that are happening right now. So New York, I don't know if you know, we've uh, we have the Build Public Renewables Act that just got passed. We also have the CLCPA, which is, you know, an acronym for, you know, community protection. Anyway, it's like a big Green New Deal kind of acts that are that are okay. happening. Um, and, you know, in in these conversations, we are talking about renewables, which is honestly, we could do another, you know, another podcast. I don't want to get too in the weeds with that. With uh -huh. how the sure. quote-unquote renewables aren't truly renewable because of how everything is mined and where we're where it's coming from and how it's processed and all that kind of stuff but um but you know one of the frustrations that i have is that we know that buildings take a tremendous amount of energy and not building a building properly you are basically going to if, if you don't build for you know, towards for solar gain, or if you're in the hot place, of, you know, away from solar gain, um, use, you know, trees and plants, right, to, to, to like offset all the stuff, you know, you're, you're going to be building for to need more energy than otherwise would be necessary. We know how to build buildings is what I'm saying. Yeah, to yeah, as little energy as possible, right. And so, sure, sure. you know, these building department regulations, they need to be changed. Before we talk about, you know, we're talking about this other kind of top-down thing of like no more gas, no more gas stoves, and you know everything's going to be electrified, and we're going right, to right. do this. And the grid is busted up. We need a new grid. Uh, there's a lot of different things. Nobody's really talking about microgrids either. And, right, right. But my point is all of that. But how frustrating it is to be sitting here as a permaculture designer, knowing that the way that we build is, is so energy intensive and wasteful. And, wasteful for sure. And and we're not even having that conversation. We're yeah, not talking I, about these foundational issues. So if we're gonna look at these problems, what are these found, are, these people aren't thinking systemically. Yeah, and uh, and nor are they, you know, thinking in systems. You know, it's still a linear equation to people. You know, and and the powers that be, I, I suppose, for lack of a better term. It, it is interesting though uh, that as as you were saying that, um, I, I work in a lot of different counties in California, of course, and it, it's interesting because every county has their own building and safety you know, that you have to comply with. And Santa Monica Mountains is divided into a couple of different things, you know, and and, uh, and entities, and there's Coastal Commission on top of that. And, you know, but the the interesting thing is how much information it, it doesn't spread. And then on the other hand, how much information does spread, right? 20 something years ago, uh, I taught at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, right? and in San Luis Obispo County up, up the coast. And um, there was some uh, uh, professors there 
who were, you know, big into uh, uh, sustainable systems and systems design, and they were in the architecture department. So they introduced a lot of really brilliant things and pretty much led the way in the early days on, uh, you know, building out of straw bales and doing, you know, earthen finishes and a lot of things like that. So anyway, so like we were talking about kids right earlier and, you know, getting introducing kids when they're, you know, introducing concepts to kids when they're younger. So they incorporate it into their life. Right. And it, it, it's kind of that story. So we're recently at the, the planning department in San Luis Obispo uh, and the person behind the counter had already heard of what we were talking about, you know, and they already knew about straw bale construction. And actually they gave us more information that we, you know, that we didn't have. And, you know, so it is, it is interesting how people and places are isolated and some places you know like you can get still pull a owner builder permit and some places you can't and santa barbara county which used to be you know one of the most difficult places to do any natural building now now has an experimental building permit and you know a, a huge um a huge uh thing to uh you know get uh information out right is really what I, where I was going with that that the idea of how much information is out there and how little uh, uh, people really either they're ignoring it or or whatnot you know uh, part of it too is that people uh, are lulled to believe that you know paying the ongoing costs is really what you were hitting on you know if you don't build it with super insulation which may cost more up front, but over the lifetime of the building, you know, you're saving not just money, but resources on the planet, you know, and people just aren't, aren't making the aren't making the connections, you know, and it's easy to do if you are held responsible for that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. But even before the insulation should come, you know, those placement. those the, the placement. Yeah, what is, you know, the 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 design yeah the, the elements of the design that are just like not negotiable which yeah is yeah right right and yeah wind right. And all it, things, truly so. truly that needs a an overhaul and a different understanding you know that we're that we get the highest generalization in there of course we want buildings to be safe you know it's not that we're against that you know and i've been in some pretty you know sketchy hippie compounds that you know, I wish we're, you know, built to, you know, spec, right. you know, yeah, and, right. you know, so it, the, there's that part of it, you know, that, you know, I understand that part of it. And, but there, there's also that process, the natural succession modeling, especially with, you know, city planning and, you know, city, you know, municipalities, as you know, political politics in general, uh, the uh, idea of, uh, you know, of setting the stage for that, right? That we start now and then eventually it'll happen. I mean, it's physics. Yeah. We set it into motion. It has to happen. You know, yeah. the more people we can get behind the counter and I mean, the more people you know, a lot we can train. Stuff, a lot of this yeah. stuff has to do, I mean, we have to speak the language of the masters, right? And, and, yeah. and the 
way the the accounting and economy is is the master at this point in time and so a lot of models need to be created so if you gave somebody the numbers for how much you know new development would save yeah enterprise by I, I think you're you're hitting it on the head and and for the audience here you are using permaculture design to arrive at that you're examining the intrinsic characteristics of those elements the the people right both in charge and you know uh, uh, trying to participate and you are looking at it differently and coming up with something that solves and, and touches on on all those concerns that is design that is permaculture design you know and, and looking at the way people interact and the way people learn and the way people you know the way change is made you know th that's just that's the game that we have to play you know it, it's you yeah. play the game you play the game the way the game is played and then you then you have then you can change it you know yeah mm -hmm. yeah Larry, so, do you ever oh go ahead i was just saying uh, no go ahead do you ever think of like like one of the things that i that i've been thinking about and andrew and i have talked about it is like you know all the issues that we have going on we have so many so many issues that we're all kind of sharing on this planet right now and i think it would be really interesting to just kind of look at these big issues and design some, you know, just talk about them and throw some solutions out there and design some. I'm a giant believer in think tanks, you know, yeah. and design yeah. charrettes, you know. Yeah. Nobody yeah. leaves till we solve this, you know. Yeah. I just, I think that, you know, we just need to get a bunch of, you know, you know, capitalize on the intelligence. And yeah, just come up, absolutely. you know, like seriously, we can't think of any other way to make a, an electric connection at such a speed without mining rare metals of an island. You know, it's like, have we just not thought about it long enough? Yeah, or so what? Do, you know? is, does our future and like everything, our way of life, is it truly um like based upon the mining of the ocean and the complete wiping off the planet of right i mean already, indigenous populations yeah we've really? already been put to the test and it doesn't you know it doesn't seem to matter and you know and, and i'm as guilty you know like i'm talking to you on a you know on a computer that's got you know a energy trail that's you know uh, devastating you know but i think yeah. it's that i think the ability to ask the question and to realize we all live and paradox when it comes to these of course yeah technologies right. in that yeah. sense and, like, and you know the the responsibility to critique it yeah it, it, right there's right. even more responsibility right exactly yeah. because we're like, users of it right yeah so we're you right know, it's like of it. you know the <laughs> you know one of my favorite things to to think about or you know find a little bit of resolve is that it's really not about your carbon footprint it's about your handprint you know, what are you doing to contribute? You know, what are you building? What are you doing to make better with you, you yourself? You know, what are you doing with those fossil fuels? You know, until we can figure something else out. And I, you know, honestly, I don't think rare metals and, you know, batteries are the future. You know, it sounds sexy now, but, you know, like we said earlier that, 
you know, we're really good at substituting one problem for another. You know, energy to mass, mass to energy, energy to mass, mass to energy. It's like, yeah. oh, guess what? Now we have a spent nuclear fuel rod problem. Yeah. You know, guess what? Now uh, we... we don't have an energy problem. We've got a mass problem. How you know? long do you... Now, you know, people don't realize that it takes a whole lot of grid, you know, a whole lot of fossil fuels to make batteries. You, you know, know what the danger and it's is? not really... It's not you really know, the answer, substituting one thing for another, you know, one of the you know why design so, principles, you know, we diversify you know, I, fuels, we diversify fuel using apparati, you know, there's a think tank right there, you know, we don't have to have the same mechanism, power mechanism, doing everything that requires power, we should have right. 15 different kinds of, of right. engines and motors and, yeah. You know, they use different fuels and diff at different yeah. times and for different uses. I mean, that's yeah. diversifying and that's, that's yeah. what nature that's does. Yeah. So yeah. it's like yeah. it becomes I mean, easier when we start using design principles as protocols for decision making and problem solving, which is my definition of permaculture design. You know, protocols, design protocols for problem solving and decision making, period. Right. Yeah. That you could use yeah. in gardening, you can use on you know, energy, you could use on transportation, we could use in shelter, yep. we could, you know, you all of those things. Redesign cities. Yeah, exactly. A, you know, a big the, focus of ours over the last decade. Yeah, of course, of course. And then, you know, it's like the other thing we're not talking about is relocating cities. Mm -hmm. You know, that's going to, that's, that's yeah. something that we will see in our lifetime. Oh, it's just yeah. going to, I feel you know, like that, people are going to have to be. Um, well, you know, think no, I about feel it. like so certain we, things are just going to that will we happen. We designed, you know, sewage treatment to be at sea level, you know, thinking the sea level wasn't going to change. So okay. it's like a lot of places are just not going to work because of that. Or like right. the, in San we, Diego to LA, the coaster train. Yeah. Yeah, they were right, like, oh, right. this is so great. We can put it and it's going to have a nice view. Oh, yeah, yeah. we do know that this, the ocean, it's going to be eroding this. Yeah, sand. exactly. And all the estuaries along the way. I think one of the first mistakes with centralized sewage is combining industrial waste lines with domestic. Oh, yeah, right, right. Like right. like in, in, in our own domestics, you know, putting water and, you know, gray water and black water together. That's just yeah. ridiculous especially out where you are there in LA yeah, and San right. Diego. I mean, great water diversion should be like part of it. Yeah. That. You should be punished if you're not doing that. Yeah. Exactly. And, and solar thermal, you know, yeah. solar yeah. and then like, yeah. let's start playing with that. What else could we do with that technology? By yeah. the way, the streets are yeah. black. Those are solar collectors and they're yeah. right adjacent to buildings, you know, yeah. like, why isn't there energy transfer systems under the roads in front of our houses and in front of our banks and in front of our, you know, it's like yeah. roads are water harvesting structures, but we designed them to take it out yeah. to the sea, you know? Yeah. Just, I think it was in South bit. Korea where they actually have been thinking about this and I'm not, I know I'm not the only one, but, you know, a bike lane along the highway or the road with solar panels shielding it. Oh yeah, right, right. In South Korea, they they did that. Yeah. It goes miles and miles. Miles and it and shades miles. people with that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, I'm gonna have to jump off here. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say, I know we could 
hang out all day. Do you have projects coming up you'd like to share? Do you have a class starting? Uh, I've got our our uh, class in Southern California, the LA uh, course. Uh, we started, it, it's, it's so incredible that we started teaching, uh, you know, I've been teaching since 89. And in 2000, uh, I, I came back to Los Angeles and we started our uh, design course uh yeah. and we've been going ever since so it's like yeah. 23 years a couple yeah. of those years we did a few design you know like a couple a year so i think we've done like 26 or 7 design courses in los angeles right mm -hmm. and this is our 23rd year which just is like tiring to just say that out <laughs> right yeah it starts well, next and... uh next month the first uh -huh. weekend of the month uh it was you know like one weekend a month for 6 months and I just felt crammed, so I added a month. So it's one week in a month for seven months. So, mm -hmm. and it great. always starts the first great. Saturday and Sunday in October. That's yeah. awesome. That's great. So that's coming up. And then, uh, yeah. you know, and that's permacultureacademy.com. And then, of course, uh, the Relentless Pursuit for Design Work and, you know, yeah. retreat centers. Uh, uh, you, go, you could find us at uh, earthflow.com. Thanks so much for listening to this session of Permaculture Perspectives with Larry Santoyo and Adriana Magana. We will have more collaborative, cooperative interviews for you to enjoy. Please join us coming this Saturday, launching off another group of Permaculture Design Certification students with our fully online PDC. Larry Santoyo will be one of our first exemplar guest teachers. We will then have Ramis Kent, Paula Hewitt Amram, David Harper, and Adriana Magania and myself. Check us out. Come for a good, long version of online condensed education in permaculture design at permaculturenewyork.com. And check out Larry Santoyo's work, earthflowdesigns.com. And find us on the web at Permaculture Living on Instagram and Andrew Faust, Permaculture New York, on Facebook. Thanks for listening.